All right, go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with this morning. We are going to talk about the Bible, if that's okay with you. And if it's not, we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> Open up to John chapter 15. Uh, the Bible in your seat. If you don't have a Bible or didn't bring one, you can take that with you and keep it forever. It's our gift to you if you want it. John chapter 15 is where we're going to be this morning. We're starting a new series, and uh, as, as we begin this new series, I want to kind of give a little bit of a reminder of where we've been so far this year in 2018 and what God's been speaking to us in 2018, because if you didn't notice, it's June already, so that's half. So we're moving right along. 2018 is happening. And as 2018 was approaching at the end of 20, 2017, uh, we as a church began praying and asking God, Lord, what are you speaking to us as kind of a word of direction for this year as a church? And we believe that God spoke really clearly to us the simple phrase, Jesus people, that God was inviting us this year as a church to explore deeper just the simple reality of going deeper in obsession with Jesus. And saying, what, what does it really look like to be a people, to be individuals, to be a church that aren't defined by, by race or economic class or location in the city or denomination or any of these things? What does it look like to be a people genuinely just defined as Jesus people? Like if people really looked at us and was like, I guess I don't really know what to say, but they are Jesus people. If you get around and they talk about Jesus, Jesus things happen. So we want to be Jesus people. God has given us that invitation this year, and, and over the last eight weeks that we just finished up, we did another series called A Church Like Home, and uh, real quick before I do that, if, if you're new with us this year, or if you're new with us in this church recently, if you weren't here for the beginning of the year, but this is now your home church, please go back and listen to that Jesus People series and get all caught up, uh, because it's really laying a foundation for who we are this year and what we want to be about. Uh, over the last eight weeks, we finished up a series called A Church Like Home, talking about what does it look like to be a people that, that don't just have a homey church experience on Sundays, but, but we looked at the great story of God and that the heart of God is always that he would actually live with his people. Not just that we would do stuff for him, but he wants his church, his people, to be people with whom he actually lives with and dwells and, and shows himself to the world around us so that they want Jesus too. And as we ended that series last week, uh, I kind of gave an intro to this series where we kind of kept with the home theme and said, let's talk about five rooms that make up a healthy home, a healthy home, a healthy, healthy home that's like a church. And we're kind of just asking the question, as you look through the scriptures, as you look through church history, what are, what are some elements and some core elements that, that have made up the world-changing people of God throughout history? What are some of the themes that we can learn from? Not, not a model of like, it's got to look like this or look like that, but what are the core elements of a people who have changed the world because they've hosted the presence of God? And so the series this morning, you can write this at the top of your notes. It's very simple. We're just sticking with the home theme, calling these next five weeks, five rooms, five rooms. So I want you to write that at the top of your page. And the first room, the first element that we're going to be talking about this morning is personal devotion, personal devotion. We ended last week talking about the verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. When it talked about the early church, the first words of the early church was they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. And as you look through history, you will not find an individual or a community of people that have had any sort of significant impact on the world absent of some devotion to something. Devotion to someone, devotion to a mission, a cause, something. There, there's always a sense of devotion 
to an individual or community that impacts the world. And in the same way, you'll never, you won't look through history, you won't look through scripture and find an individual or a community that impacted the world with the kingdom of God without a sense of devotion to Jesus, personal devotion to Jesus. That was their cause. That was their mission. Their, their one focus is the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. You're not going to find people who did that without the sense of devotion. And, and I think personal devotion, it kind of sounds like an intimidating church phrase. Like we don't really say that too much, personal devotion. But, but it carries a, a kind of a weighty but, but amazing sense to it. Personal devotion, personal responsibility. The sense of responsibility among us as a people and as individuals. You could say personal ownership. There has to be this element of, of personal ownership that this is my life and I'm going to go after Jesus. Personal decision. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to make the decision for me. I, I'm making the decision. I'm going to seek God because I'm going to do it. Right? I'm, it's no one else's job to grow me up in God. I'm going to seek God. It's no one else's job to mature me into the man or woman of God that's created me to be. I'm going to do it. It's no one else's job to walk out my calling or operate, make sure I operate in my giftings or that I live my life passionately with Jesus. God didn't give my pastor my life. He didn't give a church my life. He didn't give a parent my life. He didn't give a relationship my life and a failure my life and excuse my life. He gave me my life. So I am going to live my life for Jesus. And to be honest, I think that in church culture, in our nation even, it's kind of become such a, such a, a bad word to have some, something that denotes such effort, you know, and, and it becomes so legalistic to say, no, you got to do it. Like, you have to do it. It becomes legalistic when we talk about devotion or responsibility, effort, comes off as demanding. But the reality is that the opportunity that we have that as, as individuals and as a community to personally be devoted to Jesus is incredibly empowering. It's not legalistic or heavy. It's empowering because it means you don't have to wait for somebody else to be perfect for you to follow Jesus. It's just up to you. No matter what anybody else is doing, you can do it. You don't have to wait on someone to make you walk with God. You can just do it. You don't have to wait on somebody to show you Jesus, you get to go to Jesus. You can just do it. If you want to be who God made you to be, just do it. If you want to live the calling that God has on your life, you just get to do it because it's up to you. It's up to you. It's not up to anybody else. God has called you to a life of personal devotion. God has made you for a life of personal devotion. And whether you know it or not, you are longing for a life personally devoted to Jesus. And as we jump in this morning, as we jump into this series, talking about five rooms, what are these five elements that we need to be devoted to and committed to as a people to impact the world with the kingdom of God? I ended last week saying, if this comes off as an obligation, you're missing the whole point. It's the invitation of God. It's the invitation of God. And as we jump in this morning, I want to build this morning on this one truth. And I want to build this series on, on this one truth. And I want you to write it down this morning that your personal devotion to God is meant to come from your revelation of His personal devotion to you. Your personal devotion to God is meant to be, 
is meant to come from your revelation of His personal devotion to you. I had you open to John chapter 15 this morning. I just sense God, and I think He is ready to love on us. <laughs> John 15. Had you open up there? We're going to read a handful of verses together. And uh, for some of you, these verses are going to be really familiar. Some of you, maybe not so much. Uh, either way, I want to give you a little bit of context of these verses that we're about to read. What was going on when Jesus said these things in John chapter 15? Can we give a shout out to the air conditioner for working this week? Hey. Starting in John chapter 10, we're, we're in John chapter 15, but starting in John chapter 10 is what is known as Passion Week, the, the week where Jesus was crucified, leading up to his crucifixion and resurrection. By the time we get to John chapter 15, we're, we're on the day, we're, we're hitting the evening where he's actually arrested, and then he goes on to be tried and crucified. So in John chapter 15, these are kind of his final hours with his disciples before he's arrested. He knows it's coming. They don't, you know, we, we have the luxury of knowing kind of what happens here, right? They're living this thing in real time. They've given their life to this man, believe that he's the Messiah, and, and he knows he's about to get arrested, which very much contradicts what they would expect to happen. So in these final moments, he's trying to equip them as best as he possibly can for how to make it, how to make it through the uncertainties that they're about to go through, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Wait, I thought that you were going to... It's about to be a lot of up and down, and so Jesus is trying to say, okay, here, I'm going to give you what you can hold on to. I need, I need to make sure that you guys understand what this is all about. I mean, imagine what you would be trying to communicate if, in, if you were the Messiah and it was your last few hours before all of this uncertainty. So there's no time. Jesus knows there's no more time for, for abstract things that don't make sense or, or some fluffy sermon that only works on Sunday morning, right? They need real life. They need to know what they can hold on to. And Jesus says this. We're going to read 17 verses. Can you do 17? John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. That does bear fruit, he prunes that, he, that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you, that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Everybody say full. Sounds good. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love is no one than this, that somebody lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. 
For all that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you would love one another. As you read John chapter 15, as you read the Bible, maybe in small chunks or cover to cover, it's so clear that God's revealing to us that the deepest desire of his heart is to know his people and that his people would know him. When he created humanity in the garden, you go back to the very beginning, he created Adam and Eve. If you read it, 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 it says that, that we weren't even supposed to know the difference between right and wrong. He said, don't, eat, don't even eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one thing you're supposed to know is me, and that's enough. <laughs> Just rips religion right out of your life, doesn't it? None of this has anything to do with what's right and wrong. It's all about God. He just wants to say he walked with them in the cool of the day. That was his purpose for creation. All through the Old Testament, God is drawing people to himself to be in relationship with him. And now, as you come all the way up to John 15, as he's about to be crucified and arrested, he's approaching the cross in his final hours. He's trying to clarify to his disciples his heart that he's been showing through all of history and he wants to culminate in this moment and he expresses it like this. He's telling them in these final moments, the life you're called to is just found in me. Don't, don't get distracted. It's found in me. So stay close to me. Stay close like a branch is close to a vine. Stay close. And he says a couple of times, I love you. I love you. I, I, I love you so much that, that I actually want my joy to be your joy. And I want your joy to be full. And I need you to know something that in all of this, I just need you to know that when I look at you, I call you my friends. You're my friends. We want to be Jesus people. Amen? We want to be a church like home. We want to be friends of God. And we... We want to see God do. We, we believe that God wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in our lives individually, in our, in our city, in this church. We believe all of that stuff. We want to see him do all of these things. We want to do what he said here, which is ask anything in my Father's name. We'll do it for you. Go bear much fruit for the glory of God the Father. And we want to see all that. That's who we are. This is who we are as a church. And, but if we're going to do that, we need to remember that, that we need to build all of this faith. We need to build this zeal. We need to build this passion on one truth that Jesus demonstrates for us so clearly in John chapter 15. And that is that anything that Jesus wants you to do for him, he wants you to do with him. This is what Jesus is trying to tell them. Before he tells them, go. Before he tells them, go, spread the gospel to the whole world. Don't forget that I'm not just asking things from you. I want to do all of this with you because you're my friends and I love you. I want us to be a people who are personally devoted to Jesus. I believe that we can be a people personally devoted to Jesus. And I love that Jesus says through John chapter 15 so many times, he says things like, in the same way the Father's loved me, I love you. He says this phrase all throughout John 15 and even the next few chapters when he's relating his relationship with God to the relationship he wants us to have with him. He uses this phrase all the time, in the same way, just as. Saying in the same way that I walked with my Father, I want you to know me. I want us to know each other. 
I want us to do this together. Hmm. So I want to start off by inviting you and inviting myself and, and all of us into a lifestyle, making a daily habit of spending time with Jesus. I want you to know this morning that you can spend time with Jesus himself. Not, you can not just spend time with the Bible, not just spend time with some songs, not just spend time with yourself and your thoughts. You can actually spend time with Jesus. You can know Jesus, and Jesus wants to know you. So I want us to be a church. You're going to hear us talk about this all the time. If you've been with us, we do say this all the time, but I want us to be a people that are committed to a, a habit of spending time with Jesus every day. Every day. Because why not? Right? Why not? If he's alive, why not? And this may be kind of a new concept for you, this idea of, of spending time with God. You know, like, it's hard to see. Sometimes you don't feel, and this might be a new, a new concept for you. Maybe you've been doing this for like 40 years, you know, and that's great. Um, if you've been in church, you've probably heard this talked about, or you may have different language for it in your own life, and that's great. Quiet time, uh, devotional time, reading time, you know, what, whatever. And that's great. The words don't really matter, but uh, I, I just like reminding myself that it's not just my routine, so I always use the word spending time with Jesus because it helps me remember that he's really alive and that he's really with me. But whatever you call it, let's just do it. Me and my wife, we're going to do it. Whatever, whatever we call it, let's just do it. Okay, we're getting there. Whatever we call it, let's just do it. All right, we're getting the majority. We're getting there. And I want to talk about some practicals this morning because uh, the truth is that as a, as a pastor or just in the years that I've been walking with Jesus and trying to walk with people too, this is one of the things that I get asked about the most frequently. Like, okay, great, that sounds cool, but like, what is that? How, how do you like do that? How do, you, how do you know you're actually spending time with God and not just sitting there? Or how do you, how, what, what are you supposed to do? How do you know when it worked? How do you know when you can check it off the list? I know I've wondered that all the time and still sometimes do. So I get asked that question all the time. How do you spend time with Jesus? Where do I start? What does this actually mean? And when it comes to the practicals of living a lifestyle, of, of spending time with Jesus, I, I'm not going to outline for us the amount of time that it has to be. I'm not going to be calling you to make sure that you're putting in X number of minutes doing X variety of things to make sure that we can all be good church kids and check it off the list. That's not what we're going for. And as we talk about some of these practicals, there's bazillions of Bible reading plans on the internet, which is awesome. There's libraries worth of books on prayer, on how to study the Bible, on so many different things. And we, we even have a small version of that. We have a resource page on our website or, or in our app that has different ideas of practical things that you can do. So there's no way that over the next few minutes together that I'm going to answer every single question that you or even I have about what does it really mean to spend time with Jesus? What are you supposed to do? So I'm not trying to answer every question, and, and I honestly don't think that, that I should have all those answers. I shouldn't even have all those answers for me, because I think Jesus wants to answer those questions. If Jesus really wants to be friends, then it would make sense that he would want to answer my question, hey, Jesus, how do we be friends? He'd rather answer that himself than me go to somebody else, Right? So I don't have all the answers. That's not the goal. But I do want to give just a few practical thoughts towards how do we get started? 
What are, what are some of the foundational parts of spending time with Jesus, getting as practical as we can? And then, as a church, since this isn't just a Sunday routine, we can actually all also be friends with each other. We can walk it out together, and we can discuss it together. Hey, what are you doing that's helping you connect with God? I tried this. It didn't work. I tried this, and man, I really met with God. What are, what are you reading? What's a good plan you're reading? What questions do you have that we can talk about? We, we can walk this thing out together. Amen? So we're going to go through three practical building blocks for time with God. So if you want that, get your notes out. If not, think about something great. We opened up the windows so you can stare at the sun. If you want to cultivate a life of personal devotion to Jesus by spending time with him, the first thing that you have to do, this you do have to do, you have to show up. Good news is that's not complicated. All you got to do is show up to start. When I think about my life and relationships in my life, I uh, just realize that I'm yet to build a meaningful relationship in my life without spending time with somebody, without showing up to be with someone, right? I, I just, maybe that's just me. But developing a, a relationship with Jesus is no different. We, we got we to show up and we got to actually be present to spend time together. And so the secret is not in the routine, but part of the secret is to have a routine. <laughs> Something that I've found is, that's really helpful is just like I do with anybody else that I'm ever going to hang out with, I always seem to set a time and a place where we're going to meet. And so I've done the same thing with Jesus, and it just helps me. <laughs> helps me make sure that I show up. And I have a regular time that I wake up. Try to, try to make it the same time every morning. And if that doesn't happen, it's just my fault. <laughs> but it, I have a regular time that I wake up every morning. And then there's a spot in my house that I go to pretty much every single time. That's kind of the, the foundation is, at, if nothing else, I've got the time and the place, and I'm going to show up there. Takes away some of the questions and just like, well, I'll wake up when I want it, when I feel like it. And we'll just kind of coast throughout it and... Like I said, no meaningful relationship in my life has been built solely on like, oh, yeah, I would love to be best friends with you. We'll see you know, when we cross paths, <laughs> right? It doesn't really work like that. So the first thing you got to do is show up, and I just recommend setting a time and a place, setting a time in, in the morning, in the evening, in your lunch break. Just set a time that you know that's my appointment with Jesus and have a place. Have a place where you go, a chair in your house, a, a, a spot at the table, a coffee shop, whatever it is, just set up a place where you know you can go and you're going to meet with Jesus and let it be consistent. And when you show up, do everything you can do to be alone and uninterrupted. Anybody have kids? Okay, so this is hard. <laughs> Notice I said, don't just be uninterrupted. Just do what you can do <laughs> to be uninterrupted. Do what you can do to be uninterrupted. Uninter and, and there's a verse in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It talks about Jesus, and, and it says that he frequently went out to desolate places to pray. He'd be in these busy towns. People would be in houses all night long for his preaching, and his disciples would wake up in the morning, and they wouldn't be able to find him because he would just consistently wake up early, and he would remove himself from everything going on in his life, even all the amazing things. He would do what he could do to create some space where he could just be alone with, with his father. And so do what you can do to try to do that. Because sometimes kids wake up early. Sometimes things happen, of course, obviously. 
But do what you can do to be uninterrupted and alone with Jesus. If he needed to do it, maybe I need it too. And then when you show up, the last thing you can do is, like I said, there's zillions of plans, there's zillions of books and all these sorts of things. And, and so that's great. Like showing up with a plan is a great idea. And, and if, if that's what you do, that's great. I always kind of just say, I'm going to let the structured time be my fallback. I, I always have a plan, but I don't always necessarily do the plan if, if it seems like Jesus wants to do something different. But if I'm not sensing anything, if I don't feel anything or all these kinds of things, then I at least know I'm going to do this. And that consistency is always so good. I heard uh, a guy that I respect one time, he was talking about reading the Bible every day. And he said that he gets asked a lot, you know, like, well, if I'm, not, if I'm reading the Bible and I'm not, like, feeling it or if I don't feel the presence of God, then, like, isn't it legalistic or at that point? Because, like, shouldn't I feel God all the time? Or, or like, I, I do read the Bible, but, like, I don't, I don't always remember what I read, even by lunch. Like, I forget what I even read that, that morning, and it makes it feel really worthless. Have you ever felt like that? I know I have plenty of times. He says this question, and his response was so good. He said, well, do you remember what you had for lunch last Wednesday? And I was thinking, I was like, no. He goes, doesn't mean it didn't nourish you. I thought, that's a good word. And so I give that to you. Don't feel the pressure of like, I read it once, now it's memorized, and I've got it in my back pocket forever. Just let the word of God, let the presence of God nourish you through consistency. Okay, so number one, show up. You've shown up. Good job. Tell your neighbor, good job. Second foundation of a relationship with God is talking. You can show up and, and talk. Again, I've not really become close with anybody in my life without some communication, without talking. And you can call this prayer, you can call it all kinds of different things, but at the end of the day, just talk to God. And don't feel like you have to do it like somebody else does it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, when I'm trying to pray, I like picture these people in my head who I think are really godly, and I'm like, man, they're probably doing it so much better than me right now. <laughs> they like really get it, and I can't do it like that, and then it makes me not want to do it because I'm not as good as them, and it makes me feel dumb, and I'm like, I don't even know if this is the right thing to say. Just forget it. He loves you. Talk. Just talk. He wants to be your friend. So you can talk to God. God wants to be your friend, and, and it's okay to talk. It's okay to talk to him through what you want to say. Talk about what you want to talk about. Talk about what God wants to talk about. Read some of the Bible and talk about what the Bible says. Just, just start talking with God. One of the ways that you can talk to God is through worship. Psalm 100 verse 4 says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It says give thanks to him and bless his name. Talk to him. Talk to him with thanksgiving. Talk to him by blessing him. And so many times, I, I don't know about you, but, but it can be this thing where it's like, okay, like I'm here, I showed up, so now like, uh, yeah, like waiting for the goosebumps, waiting for the feeling, like do, how do I know if we're, like, if we're in, you know, or is this happening yet or not? And, and I don't know if, if you're waiting to sense a connection with God or anything like that, but the reality is, is that you are more full of the Spirit of God than you have any idea. Jesus is already more present than you have any idea, whether you feel it or not, whether you sense it or not. None of that has any merit on whether God is actually in the room or not, whether he loves you or not, he's there. You can just settle that in your mind. If you're there, he's there. That's good. And when you worship, you begin to open up the eyes of your heart. You begin to open up your eyes, your mind, your soul. You begin to open up your eyes to the presence of God as you celebrate him for who he is. 
You're not, you're not making him come. You're not stroking his ego so that he shows up. You're brushing away the fog on your own lenses. You're wiping off the dirt that's been muddying up your eyes, and you're getting more focused on, oh, wow, yeah, that's right, you are here. That's why we worship at the beginning of our services every week, and that's why you're always in a better mood by the end of it than you were at the beginning. Because you've been cleaned up by worship, the truth of who God is. You've, you've entered into his gates with thanksgiving. You've entered into his courts with praise. So worship, worship in the morning. I have this friend named Eric who's a really strange guy. And if you knew him, then this story would be really funny, but you're just going to have to go with it. Um, I had a friend, him and my other friend were staying in a hotel one time and they were waking up in the morning uh, and, and they both like to spend time with Jesus. So they're going to do that. And my normal friend uh, was telling me the story about Eric, who's kind of the not so normal friend. And he's like, yeah, dude, it was weird, man. We got up and Eric just started walking to the shower going. <laughs> he was like, that's a little weird. He's like, he's like, I'm pretty sure he wasn't praying in tongues. He's just shaking his face. So you're like, I don't even know what that was all about. And later he was like, Eric, what were you doing? Because he's just in the shower, like making noises. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? And Eric was like, man, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm like one of those pole start mowers. He's got to start yanking on me in the morning to get me going. He's like, so I'm just, I'm just pulling the start, pulling the start to get that motor going. And I was like, man, that's hilarious. And most people would stop because they would think that was dumb. But he's like, I don't care if it's dumb. I'm going to get my motor going. And so do what you got to do. Get the motor going. Walk around, sit down, do whatever. If it's different, everything that's great. Just get the motor going. If you're a pole start, it's not legalistic. It's perseverance. Come on, somebody. I just set somebody free. Because it's personal devotion. No, I'm going to meet with God. Sleep's not going to stop me. Weariness isn't going to stop me. Distraction isn't going to stop me. I'm preaching better than you're letting me know right now. We're going to do this. Pull the engine. Get it going. And worship will get your motor going. Worship will get your motor going. Thankfulness and worship. Great way to wake up your heart to the presence of God. So sing. Quote scripture. Talk. Remember the promises of God. Kneel, jump, bow, skip, shake your face, pray in tongues. Do whatever it is that you do. Get your motor going. Just get your motor going. That's one way you can talk to God, through worship. And another way you can talk to God is prayer. In other words, another way you can talk to God is talk to God. Just talk to God. Open up your heart to Him. I think prayer is one of those things that's so mysterious. It's so mysterious to us, and the mystery of it can keep us from doing it. Because like I said, you just always think everybody else has it figured out. But the reality is, is that all prayer is, is just you talking to God. Be honest. Like I said, talk about what you want to talk about. Talk about what he wants to talk about. And the reason we pray is not to fulfill a religious duty to make God say, oh, they're a good Christian. I've said it a few times this morning already, but God is a God of invitation. And prayer is him extending his invitation to you to be close to him. And he wants to, he wants to let your, your conversation with him, he wants to let that conversation impact you, impact him, impact the people around you. He, he wants this conversation to be significant. That's why we pray is because it's an invitation. You can pray prayers that change the world. You can pray prayers that change your life. You can pray prayers that change the lives of the people around you. You can move God with your prayers. Just come in and talk. 
the one practical thing I know about prayer, well, I think I have two things. These are the only two things I know about prayer, so I'm going to tell you the whole book right now. The, the number one way to grow in prayer is to do it. This is what it is. I'm not even going to expand on it because it's, it's true. And one practical thought on, on how to start doing it is to start thanking God for his promises and his presence before getting distracted by the practicals. Just start thanking God for his presence. Start thanking God for his promises before you get bogged down by what are all the things I should pray for? What's on the prayer list? What, how do I make sure I hit everything so that nothing slips through the cracks? That's all great. I'm all for a prayer list, but before you get bogged down, I don't know about you, but I can get so distracted by all that, by trying to do a good job. And usually by the time I've spent some time thanking him and, and praying him and praising him for his presence already and for his promises, I usually have a lot less practicals to go after is what I've found. So number one, do it. And number two, just start with his presence and start with his promises before getting distracted by the practicals. So show up, talk. And number three, foundational element of living a lifestyle of personal devotion to Jesus is listen. Listen. I would say that I think one of the most transformational truths for me in my life has been realizing the reality that I can hear God's voice. I think that more than anything, that's changed my life. In John chapter 10, a few chapters before John 15, we read Jesus talks about how we're sheep and he's a shepherd. And he says, my sheep know my voice. He says, I call them by name. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus is alive. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is speaking to you, and you can hear Jesus. Nothing will take you deeper into friendship with God like hearing his voice. Nothing. And when we talk about hearing the voice of God, that can become another one of those mystical-sounding things. How do I know? How do I know if it is God? How do I know if that was God or just my own thoughts or all of those sorts of things? And, and that's a really good question, and, and there's definitely a journey, I would say, at least for me and anybody I've ever known, that you have to kind of learn his voice because the reality is we live in a very noisy world and you have a very noisy life. And that's one of the reasons we encourage you to get alone. It's easier to hear his voice when there's less noise. And, I, and I've, I've told people like this, you know, when, before Heather and I uh, were, were dating or anything like that, if we were in a room this size and I was having a conversation on one part of the room and she was having a conversation on the other side of the room, I would have never picked it up. I would have never known, oh, Heather's talking over there. But now, if I'm in the same room with the same noise level, I'm having a conversation over here, she's having a conversation over there, and she laughs at something, I know it's Heather's voice because we've spent time together. We've, we've learned each other's voice. And in the same way, you can learn the voice of God. Just put in the time. Heather and I also have miscommunications every once in a while. Oh, I thought I heard you say, or I didn't hear you say, and there's room. There's room for that because he loves you. If you want to hear God's voice, if you want to grow in picking up his voice in a noisy world, listen to him. Listen to him. And one of the greatest ways you can do this and build a foundation for hearing the voice of God in your life is listening to the Bible. Listen to the Bible. Don't just let this book be an accessory to your walk with God. Listen to the Bible. 
And I'm intentionally saying listen to the Bible instead of read the Bible, not because I think audio is better, but because I'm saying don't just read it like a book. Listen to God speak to you. Listen to his voice as you go through the Bible. He's alive. He's alive and he wants to speak to you. It says, the Bible tells us that the Father spoke the word. In the beginning, let there be light. He speaks the word. And then Jesus, later on, we we learn that he himself is the word. Jesus is the word of God. And then we see that, that the Holy Spirit is the power. The Holy Spirit is the very breath of the word of God. And he is alive. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. He wants to shape you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal yourself to you. He wants to reveal the world to you. He wants to speak to you. So don't just read. Listen. Listen to the Bible. Listen to the word of God. Jesus said that he only said what he heard the Father saying. We can live our lives hearing the voice of God. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then the Bible also tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the spoken breath of Jesus in our life. Faith is not an emotion. It's not an effort. Faith is a gift from God. It finds its genesis in God. And God says that he gives us faith when we hear his voice. God's word is not just an academic, academic textbook. He really does want to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You can speak to him and he will speak back to you. You can ask him questions and he'll give you answers. You can ask him questions and he won't give you answers and that'll be his answer. Talk to him. Talk to him. I was talking to a friend just last night in a crazy situation. He said, well, I've got more time than ever. I'm seeking God as much as I ever have, and I just can't hear him telling me what to do next. I just thought, you know, sometimes you just got to be patient because he will say it. He will say it at the right time and the right way, and you won't miss it. Just listen. Listen. Just listen. A tool in my life that I've used to grow in, in picking up the voice of God and the noise of life is the Bible and then also um, a a type of journaling. And if you've been around with us before, you've heard me talk about this before. I'm just going to go through it very, very quickly because we're about to be done here. Um, But I don't know what you think about journaling. I'm not talking about a diary of like, hey, God, this is what happened today. If you do that, that's awesome. That's not me. Uh, But something, somebody showed me this in college, and it blew my mind that this was even possible. And then it's become a regular practice in my life over the last several years, and it's helped me so much pick up God's voice in the midst of life. And that is just this journaling where, where I'll write out conversations with God. And I'll start, I'll put A for Andrew and a colon, and I'll kind of write out what I have to say, either a question or a thought or just what's going on in my world. And, and then after I'm done, just like, it just helps me stay focused. I'll put like G, colon, for God, and I'll wait and I'll just listen and try to hear what his response is. And it becomes this dialogue with God. And it's helped me learn his voice. And, and sometimes it's a lopsided conversation one way or the other. Sometimes it's all me and nothing from him. And I'm like, I don't know if this is even counting or not. <laughs> sometimes it's only stuff I feel like God's saying and I don't have much to say. Sometimes it's 50-50. Sometimes I've looked back on stuff and been like, yeah, that definitely was not God. But it's okay. But it's okay. Because he loves me. And I'm not worried about it. And he's not worried about it either. Because if you just stay consistent, he'll make sure you don't miss it. And it's a great tool for you to learn the voice of God. Just start writing stuff down. Write it down. Give him space in your life to listen and grow in the voice of God. And as you're doing that, that can scare a lot of people because they're like, oh gosh, anything you think is now God's word. No, if it doesn't line up with this and reinforce this, it wasn't God, which is awesome. 
Because then you can know. I mean, if you write something down, you're like, I don't, know if that, I don't know if that was from God or not. Does it line up with this? If so, you just heard God. If not, you're like, okay, that sound wasn't God. Good to know. You can cross that one off the list. Either way, it's a step forward. <laughs> That'll make the legalism just creep up in you. Like, no, you got to get it right the first time. No, you don't, because Jesus is alive and he loves you. Woo! Oh, he's so good, it's offensive, and I love it. He offends me with how much he loves me. I make myself want to pay for it sometimes, and he's like, nope, I already did. You're still free. You're still a child of God. Just come on right back in. Open up the doors, Lord, we're ready. Amen. We're going to be done for this morning. So we're going to worship Jesus, because that's what we do around here, right? I want you to go ahead and stand up as we close. I want to lead us into responding in maybe a few different ways this morning. We're going to worship together, and we want to be a people who not just hear the Word of God, but we respond to the Word of God. And this morning as we worship together, I just want you in your own heart, maybe in your own seat, in your own life, I want you to decide right now what your next step is towards personal devotion to Jesus. The best part about Jesus is that no matter where you're coming from, no matter how, quote-unquote, far you are in your walk with God, there's always a next step. There's always a next step that you can take. And Jesus is inviting you in this morning into a next step into personal devotion with Him. So what's the next step? What does it look like for you to take your next step towards a daily lifestyle of time with Jesus? Does it, does it look like, okay, I'm going to commit to not looking at my phone right away, first thing? Does it look like setting aside a first few minutes in your morning? Does it look like your lunch break? Does it look like your evening? What does it look like? I don't care. Just, it's not, I don't need to approve of it or even like it. What is it that Jesus is inviting you into? Set a time you're going to go to bed. Set a time you're going to wake up. Set a time in your house, in your workplace, in your coffee shop. You're saying, that's our seat. That's our seat with Jesus. And if you're going to pick a chair, I encourage you to pull up an empty one next to you. Just to remind you, Jesus has a seat at the table too. So that's how I want you to respond this morning. And as we worship, as usual, we're going to have just a handful of people off to the sides of the room. If there's something that you want to respond to in life, we, we just like having people over to pray because we believe in the power of prayer. And so if you need prayer on something that you want to respond to this morning, or, or maybe you came and you just need prayer for something, anything, this is church. Like, don't leave without getting it. And I think sometimes it's so easy to look and be like, wow, that's for the really messed up people over there. I'm not that bad. What are people going to think of? No, forget it. You don't have to be that messed up to need prayer. I need prayer, okay? So look, we all need it. So don't be scared if you need it, right? Amen? Amen. So if you need it, that's great. If you need a miracle in your life, have somebody pray with you. If you need breakthrough in your life, have somebody pray with you. If you need to repent for something in your life, just get free and have somebody pray with you. Amen? Let's respond together as we worship. And and the last thing I want to do this morning is just say, if there's anybody here this morning and you're saying, I I don't even, I haven't even decided to give my life to Jesus in the first place. You've never experienced Jesus coming into your heart, forgiving all of your sin and being born again. You've never been born again by the Holy Spirit. Don't leave this morning without making that decision. You don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to know what it's all going to look like. I still don't know what it's all going to look like, but it just starts with one personal decision. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. I want to make the decision for me. I'm going to give you my life. 
So I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you, don't leave this morning without praying with me now. And, and don't leave this morning without talking to somebody over to the side or somebody with a lanyard. Just we want to walk with you and celebrate you this morning. So would you bow your heads as we pray this morning? God, we love you and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive and you're present in this room. And we thank you for the invitation into a lifestyle of personal devotion to you and how freeing that is. And God, I ask that if there's anybody here this morning that hasn't given their life to you now, Lord, I pray that you would just pull on their heart so strong with an invitation into life. We pray that you'd give them the courage to move past the answers that they don't know, the questions that they still have, and just make the choice. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for all of us, God, that we would have the courage right now by the power of the Holy Spirit to take our next step, take our next step in being devoted to you. So we submit our lives to you, God, and we commit as individuals and as a people for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our families, our neighborhoods, our city, our nation, and the nations of the earth to be a people of devotion to you. So come, Holy Spirit, and draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.